We're going to continue in our series from Galatians. If you'd like to turn there now, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Christ has liberated us to be free. I want to make that clear from the beginning. Christ has liberated us to be free. He died to free us from the curse, from the bondage which Satan's lies have condemned us to. One of the strengths of being with God's end time people in this church especially is the myriad cultures represented here. Looking out here, I see at least 16, there might be even as many 18 different cultures, languages, people groups. Uh, being with these people to me gives me a little taste of heaven. Uh, I very, very much enjoy that. Uh, but for each culture represented here, freedom, when I say freedom, means something different, something a little bit different. Freedom to live or to work as one pleases is one definition of freedom. Freedom from oppressive political ideations, from politics. Freedom of expression is a big one. To some individuals, handcuffs, in my chosen line of work, we use handcuffs. I didn't bring it with me today. Uh, to wear handcuffs means freedom has been lost. All right? In our society, though, handcuffs are more than just restraining an individual. Uh, what happens when handcuffs are put on? I won't ask for a show of hands who's been in handcuffs. But when handcuffs are put on, I have a hand in the back. Um, when handcuffs are put on, it's, it's more than just a physical restraining. You can still move your feet, and you still have freedom to think and to speak, but there's a defeated mentality. When those handcuffs are put on, you are submitted to an authority. I was talking with several police officer friends, uh, a detective on, on Thursday, and he said, yeah, you can always tell the guilty parties uh, from the innocent ones, when you put them in handcuffs, the guilty parties said, it's done now. The fight is finished. You've won. I submit to your authority. And he said, they're the ones that are asleep in the back of the patrol car. Uh, they, felt, they felt relief that that authority had been submitted to someone else because they had been caught. The innocent ones would stay awake and they'd say they're very wide-eyed. Um, but handcuffs aren't particularly powerful in and of themselves. It's what they represent. Is that clear? As handcuffs is what they represent. So it is with sin. Sin in our society, sin in our culture. Satan convinced Adam and Eve that it was better to live freely under the curse of sin. He promised a type of freedom. He promised a type of freedom. They would understand, he said, that God's kingdom was full of terrible injustices. It was a more terrible injustice to live under God's rules than under Satan's freedom. So when Christ was on earth, if you want to turn to Isaiah 61.1 briefly, his work was to proclaim liberty to the captives. Amen? Christ's work was to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So a good example of that work can be found in Luke 13, chapter 13, verses 10 to 13. I'm listening for pages rustling. Luke 13, 10 to 13. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. When, and she was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful picture? Jesus called her to him and he said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So when the leader of the synagogue, the church pastor, complained then that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, Jesus responded to him and said, he referred to the fact that they would untie their animals and lead them to water on the Sabbath. And he continued, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, 
whom Satan has bound these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? We too are bound by Satan. We cannot lift ourselves up. We're bound by Satan. We can't lift ourselves up. We can't, by our own merit, pull away from those handcuffs, from those chains that bind us. We don't have the key to those handcuffs. Praise God, though. Jesus, in his weakness, in our weakness, gives us his strength. Jesus, in our weakness, gives us his strength. Matthew 4, 15, he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. I'm going to continue where Dr. Parker left off last week. Uh, it's Galatians chapter 5 opens. Galatians 5, verse 1, Paul reminds the Galatians to stand firm, to stand on that solid rock in the liberty provided by Christ. Christ's death on the cross provided the key to unlocking those handcuffs. So the Jewish person in Galatia, salvation seemed to be through keeping it, the law in its entirety. I was thinking as I read these verses about keeping the entirety of the U.S. law. Is anyone familiar with the entire U.S. code uh, or even the uniform traffic code and regulations that apply to how you drive? You're guilty of something somewhere. You're gu- you're of something somewhere. Uh, that's very true. I'm not going to say amen to that, though. You're guilty of something somewhere. There's a law somewhere. There's so many laws to keep. Luckily, Jesus, speaking through Paul, Paul brings the gospel to the Galatians that were under this delusion. The good news that the hope of righteousness referred to in Isaiah is come, and he points to Christ as salvation. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails nothing but faith working through love. Circumcision is used in the letter of the Galatians as part of a larger point Paul was making in regards to how to obtain righteousness, that is, salvation from sin. Paul makes it clear that righteousness can only be obtained by what? Faith. By grace through faith can only obtain righteousness by faith, by receiving Christ into our hearts and allowing him to live in us, living through us. Circumcision served as a sign sign to the patriarchs, to the Israelites, as a reminder of this righteousness by faith. And my wife is studying uh, with the early teens, and we've been studying, they've been studying the sanctuary. I have, if you haven't got a chance to go upstairs and see the cool sanctuary model, I encourage you to see it. Uh, But as they go through each of the elements, the sanctuary in and of itself was not salvation. It was what it represented. It's that righteousness by faith. That was circumcision to the Galatians, to the Israelites, to those populations was not salvation. They were not saved because of circumcision. Unfortunately, by the time of Jesus, what had happened? That outward sign had become the means to be saved. Unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. Circumcision stands, therefore, in the book of Galatians as a symbol of works being done to obtain righteousness. So circumcision is a symbol of works. So if anyone is trying to be saved by their own works or using their own means to obtain salvation, if Josh is trying to keep the Sabbath to be saved, speaking to myself, 
then Christ shall profit them nothing. Let's continue in chapter 5, verse 7 through 12. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails nothing, but faith working through love. You ran well. You Galatians ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, if I still preach works, then why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. It's important to note here how Paul started his letter to the Galatians. He said, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, I, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's a powerful testimony. In your life, have you been called? Paul was clear on who called him and what he was called to do. So in your life, reflect on God's own calling in your life. Have you stuck with what you were called to do? Have you kept running that race? Have you strayed from it? The Galatians were believers in Christ and were living out the truth in him. They received the gospel wholeheartedly and they started down that road. They started out well. And how many of us, speaking to myself, start out the same way? So we seek positive change in our lives. We receive information. We turn to what I like to call coffee shop Christianity. So we collect sayings and quotes and trite observations. We collect things that remind us about uh, what we strive to be and observations of life. But all too often those little sayings become our whole Christian experience. We replace surrender, full surrender to Christ with hang in there baby. The little posters, remember the cat? Hang in there baby. We've replaced these trite sayings because it's easier than to surrender all of our pride, all of our ambitions, all of our life, our will to the one who made us. So the Galatians pursued God's law then through works, not faith. The cross has always been a symbol of disgrace, and to be crucified was to be put to death in the most shameful way possible. Paul said in verse 11 that if he preached circumcision, which is righteousness by works, then the offense or the stumbling block of the cross would cease. The stumbling block of the cross is a confession of human frailty, of sin, and the inability of us, the inability of Josh to do any good thing at all. To take the cross of Christ by faith we must, means we must depend on him solely for everything. I don't know about you, that kind of hits me in my pride. I feel a little uncomfortable when I read, if I want to accept the free gift, there's nothing I can do to obtain it. I can either receive it or I cannot. I can receive it or cannot. Everything we depend on for eternal life must be received as a gift. So let's continue in Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Without faith, we're in bondage to sin. When we're set free, we're set free from sin, not set free to sin. There are many in the Christian world that imagine that we're free then to defy and ignore the law once we're set free. They forget, however, that any transgression of the law is sin. And sinning brings us back into that bondage again. So Paul admonishes us 
Instead, by love, to serve one another, because love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 13.10 tells us, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. If love is the life of God, and that life is living in us, the law will necessarily be in us as well, for God's life is the law for all creation. Love is the result of liberty. Love is the result of liberty. Galatians 5, verse 15, continuing on, 15 to 18. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, they're in conflict. So you do not know, do the things that you wish. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Galatians started off running the, the race well, just as we often do. But then they began listening to outside counsel. They went away from what they had been called to do and began to diverge from the original faith that they had been taught. They began to walk outside of the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and they were biting at each other. This infighting wasn't a spirit of God, but of Satan. Romans 5.1 says, Since we are justified by faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, peace within, peace within our congregation here, is the hallmark of the Spirit's leading. So where was the Spirit that they were leading, leading them to? As I read through the next list, the list of the works of the flesh, it made me think of a typical news story today. News stories are filled with I've, I've read this week Reuters and the New York Times. I tried newspaper that was thrown on our lawn, and I could not find a story that didn't have sorrow and heartache and downtrodden people and people that had, were just barely getting by. Licentiousness was a big theme in some of the newspapers I was reading. How many of those things, how many of those news stories started with this next list of works? Galatians 5 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul ends the list with, and the like. It's not the end of the list. And the like. This, when men turn from the gospel, when I turn from the gospel, faith in God and his mighty power to save, I am left with this list. I'm under the power of these sins. In God's plan to save us, though, there is, according to Romans 10, 12, no difference between Jew and the Greek, the same Lord is over all, over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. No person on earth can boast over another or despise another because of his sinful, graded condition. Seeing these works of the flesh in others should remind us not of any self-important moral superiority, but a reminder that we are all part of the same fallen humanity and we're in need of a savior. Did you notice something about the list? What's the beginning of all the lists? Go way back to Lucifer in heaven. Selfishness, the love of oneself over others, is the root of most of these works of the flesh. 
Romans 7, 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The law is what? Spiritual. The law of God is spiritual. Therefore, all who are led by the Spirit, who are fully surrendered and yielded to the Spirit, will also be in full harmony with the law. The keeping of the law is not a condition of receiving the Spirit, but it becomes the necessary result. Let's continue in 5.22. So what does it look like when you're fully yielded to the Spirit? Praise God, there's a counterpoint to that list we just read and the like. 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is what? There is no law. Peace, love, joy, they do not come naturally to Josh. I'm Josh for those of you who've never met me. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) Peace, love, joy, they are not things. When my alternator died and I was walking a couple of miles on Lee Highway, it was a struggle. I prayed for the Holy Spirit's intervention in my life and praise God he did and my character because it wasn't a happy time. It was very hot on my walk to get an alternator. But my tendency is towards anger and frustration. So therefore, in order for me or anyone to produce these good fruits, we must be made new. In, I have an old Dodge truck, which God gave me, and it has a big 5.9 liter diesel engine. And out of the back of my tailpipe comes rainbows and glitter. It's the happiest truck, isn't it? <laughs> it just, good things do not come out of the back of my truck. If I wanted to change what came out of the back of my truck, what has to happen? I can't put in a different fuel. I have to change the entire interior of the truck. It has to be made into a new thing for something new to come out of it. Are you following me? Okay, so in order for us to produce these good fruits, we must be made new. We must have Christ in us and let him live in us to be made into a new creature. When you receive, this is a word of caution and an illustration of caution, when you receive that power that helped me with my Greek dynamos, dynamite, dynamos power in you, and you put forth these fruits of the Spirit, it can be a dangerous thing. So there's a story told of an old fisherman who used to go out fishing every morning, and he would come back, and his boat was filled with fish. And uh, his neighbors would go out fishing on the same lake, and they would have kind of the same, uh, same area, but they weren't able to catch anything. And this man always came back with his boat filled with fish. So they got a little suspicious. So one day they asked the game warden to ride along with them. So the game warden came in disguise as he was getting his boat ready and said, would you mind if I came fishing with you? So the old man said, sure, come along with me. And they motored over to a cove that he knew and he cut the engine. And uh, he began looking as the old man opened his tackle box and he pulled out a stick of dynamite and he lit the fuse and calmly waited as the fuse burnt down and he dropped it in the water. There's a huge explosion. All the fish started bubbling to the surface and the old man calmly scooped them up and put them in the boat. The game warden said, you can't do that. I mean, you're under arrest, you can't do that. So the old man responded by calmly opening his tackle box and he took out a stick of dynamite and he lit the fuse and he handed it to the game warden. And he said, are you going to sit there or are you going to fish? <laughs> the, 
if, if you ask for and you receive this power into your life, this dynamite power, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there? Are you going to stay there as the old man in your flesh? Or are you going to fish? Are you going to keep leaving the same life of flesh? Or are you going to take action? Let's continue in verse 24, Galatians 5, 24. And those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. The old man is gone. The new has come. Praise God. What a wonderful thought. I was impressed this week as I was reading, there was a quote, I'm trying to recall where it was found, but it's the, the same spirit which hovered over the deep at the dawn of creation. Do you have that image in your mind? The same spirit that hovered over the deep is the same spirit that can come to you and help you change your life, that can live through you. That same spirit that was present at creation can be in your life. So abiding in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, the flesh with its works has no more power over us, abiding in the Spirit, than if we were dead in the grave. The Spirit of life in Christ, the Spirit of Christ, is given freely. Amen. Has a wonderful gift to all of us. So today, in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate and remember the life of Christ by following His example in a service called Communion. So this service, as we just learned from studying the letter to the Galatians, isn't not an outward duty to be performed to obtain salvation. It's rather an example of the fruits of the Spirit, an example of remembrance of Christ's love for his disciples. When Jesus was present at the upper room, he showed patience with Peter. As Peter asked, you know, wash my whole body. He showed kindness. He washed their dirty feet. He was long-suffering with Judas, even knowing what was about to happen and knowing Judas' plans. He was long-suffering with him. So as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we follow Jesus' example. And these things, not because we need to do it to be saved, but because he found us in the pit. Because he brought us out into his glorious light of his salvation by grace through faith in him. So if you haven't found, or if you would like to have that love and liberty be free from those chains, I'd invite you to stand with me as we have a prayer. And in your heart, speak to your Creator, your Redeemer. Talk to Him. He loves you with an everlasting love and longs to set you free. Almighty Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we are nothing without You. Lord, we are prone to those works of the flesh. That huge list is things we cannot handle. We cannot handle them alone. But Lord, thank you for sending your spirit. If all we do is ask that you will give us your free gift of salvation, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross and giving us hope of eternal life. Lord, may we display the fruits of the spirit, showing that your life is at work within us. Lord, we surrender all these things to you, and I ask this in your name. Amen.